What is grace? Grace is community. Grace is passion. Grace is for everyone. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road? while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Here ends the reading of this word. Thanks be to God. We insiders have a name for the Sunday after Easter. We call it Low Sunday. After the glorious crescendo of Easter morning, there is a tendency to experience the ecclesiastical equivalent of an exhausted collapse. Typically, the preacher rests from his labors. He'll call up his former district superintendent, and he'll say, hey, can you come and preach for me? I'm bushed. And then he'll take off for North Carolina. The flowers will have wilted. 
and uh, the uh, fancy hats will be gone. The music will be a bit more subdued, although the music was pretty good this morning. And most conspicuously of all, seats in the pew will be much easier to come by. We are less than half today of what we were last Sunday. And yet, the conditions on this Sunday with all the hoopla behind us are perhaps a bit more conducive to thinking thoughtfully and soberly about the meaning of this tremendous world-changing event that we call the resurrection and its impact on us. So won't you join me in doing exactly that this morning? Let's pray. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Amen. I think I have been on the Emmaus Road. Nobody knows exactly where that road is. There is no town in modern-day Israel called Emmaus. But there are the remnants of an old Palestinian village on the West Bank called Maza, which provide an intriguing hint as to where the biblical Emmaus might have been. It is now a suburb of Jerusalem, part of that corridor that leads to Tel Aviv. Just behind the remains of Maza are the remnants of a Roman road that could well be the one in our story this morning. The road that Cleopas and his fellow traveler were taking. It's quite lovely, really. All along it, you can see beautiful terraces with grapevines growing on them and olive trees planted in long rows. Along that road, there is today a town called Imwas. And it is sometimes suggested that Imwas was the biblical Emmaus, though nobody knows for sure. But does it really matter? It's not as if the road to Emmaus doesn't exist. I have been on that road at one time or another in my life, and I suspect you have too. Long, long ago, about sunset on the first Easter Eve, there were two others walking that road. With painful steps and slow, Cleopas and his fellow traveler were making their way toward Emmaus, where they hoped to escape the sadness and grief that was overwhelming them. That terrible feeling you have when the future you, you thought you had, you no longer have. And even the present seems pretty shaky. They were enveloped by a gloom that weighed down their shoulders like some heavy cape. They looked like anybody does when they're coming from the cemetery. And they were doing what anybody who has ever been to a graveyard does. They were reliving all the events that had taken them there. I remember being called to the hospital one night. There had been an accident. One of the teenagers in the congregation had been out for the evening when a drunk driver hit her car and mangled it so badly that it wrapped around 
the tree from the force of it all, and she was killed. I was with her parents when the doctors came and told them nothing could be done. You cry at a time like that. Everyone cries when they are standing at the intersection of what is and what might have been. You think about the day that child was born and her first word, her first step, her first day at school, her artwork on the refrigerator door, her dancing lessons, her questions about everything as the word was, world was opening up before her. You remember teaching her how to drive and arguing with her about how much she was using her cell phone and about that boy you disapproved of whom she had been dating for about four months until she saw what you saw was wrong about him. You think about your plans for her and what she wanted to be and do and in your mind's eye, you imagine her five, ten years into the future. And then it all slips away, suddenly, unexpectedly. And you find yourself walking the Emmaus Road. Well, that's the kind of thing Cleopas and his traveling companion were thinking about as they itched along, inched along that road at the intersection of what is and what might have been, locked into their memories of what they had seen and known in Jesus, the promise he'd demonstrated, the happiness he'd felt in their presence, the hope they had for him. But those hopes had been mercilessly dashed by his sudden betrayal and arrest the trumped-up charges brought against him, the scourging and death that he suffered under Roman justice. They left Jerusalem along the Emmaus Road, just wanting to get away from the confusion, from the distraction, the sadness, the weariness of spirit they felt in that city where all of this had taken place. For them, the road to Emmaus was the quiet escape of time to comfort each other, to get lost in thought, to check out their perceptions of what they had seen and heard, to relive their experiences. And with all of that happening, they hardly notice when a stranger greets them along the way and inquires about what they are talking so intensely. They are astounded that he has not heard anything about what is to them the most important thing that ever happened in their lives. Hey, Sleeping Beauty, don't you know what happened in Jerusalem? So blinded are they by grief and by their own low expectations of what the future was going to hold for them that they don't even realize it's Jesus they're talking to. So they tell him everything that happened. And Jesus, who of course knows it all already, informs them that they don't understand their Bible and that they're the ones who are 
pretty dense. How foolish you are, he says. How slow of heart to believe. And then he explains the scriptures, which clearly say that the Messiah must suffer before he enters his glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, Jesus gives them the first ever Sunday school lesson. When they get to the village where they're going, and and notice, Luke doesn't even say it was Emmaus. He just says the town to which they were going. Cleopas and the other disciple asked Jesus to stay, to break bread with them. They want to hear more. Their spirits have been uplifted by this stranger's sense of hope and his reassurance. And it is only when they get to the table and he breaks bread with them that their eyes are finally opened and they realize it is their risen Lord they've been talking to all along. At that moment, his point having been made, the resurrected Christ vanishes from their sight. They are astonished. They are overwhelmed. Even in their perplexity, they are joyful. Things like this simply don't happen. It's too good to be true. And yet, somehow, it happened. So they rush back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples what they've heard and what they've seen. And there they hear other reports of Jesus' resurrection appearances. They had left Jerusalem on the Emmaus Road to get away from that sorrow that hung around their shoulders like an albatross. And there at table, in the presence of a Jesus who was different in some ways and yet very much the same, their sorrows had lifted. They were overcome by the realization that in life and in death, he would always be with them. They might have given up on him, but he was never going to give up on them. I commiserate with Cleopas and with his friend because I've been on that road to Emmaus. Haven't you? Emmaus is the place we go to escape. A bar, a movie. It is wherever it is that we throw up our hands and say, the whole damn thing makes no difference anyway. Emmaus is whatever we do or wherever we go to make ourselves forget that the world holds nothing sacred, that even the wisest, the bravest, the loveliest decay and die, that even the noblest ideas are always twisted out of shape in the end by selfish people for their own selfish ends. Emmaus is the road of skepticism and cynicism, the place where we throw up our hands and curse the whole damn business and the God who concocted it. Emmaus is the place we go to forget all about Jesus. I've been on that road, the road of premature disappointment, the road of a judgment reached 
far too early. The road of broken dreams at the intersection of what is and what might have been. And you've been there too, haven't you? Barbara Brown Taylor says, it is the road you walk when your team is lost, your candidate has been defeated, your loved one has died. The long road back to the empty house, the piles of unopened mail, to life as usual, if life can ever be usual again. And in these awkward times, it is watching your retirement income dwindle, your health insurance benefits being whittled away. It's watching your job vanish or bearing with a long-term illness that casts a far different shadow on the future than the sunlight you always expected. The irony of the road to Emmaus is that the same road on which we stand with our broken dreams is the road where our risen Lord comes to us, this God who never gives up on us, this one who refuses to leave us comfortless. This world is much more on our side than we have any idea. And in the end, all things will work together for good, for God will not be thwarted. Writes Barbara Brown Taylor, the blindness of the two disciples does not keep Christ from coming to them. He does not limit his post-resurrection appearances to those with full confidence in him. He comes to the disappointed, the doubtful, the disconsolate. He comes to those who do not know their Bible, who do not recognize him even when they're walking right beside him. He comes to those who have given up and are headed back home, which makes this whole story a story about the blessedness of brokenness. Every coach knows this truth. Everyone who has ever fought for an important cause, anyone who's ever loved and lost, it is not always the victories we attain that teach us the most, but the losses that mold our character. We all of us have known disappointment and sorrow in our lives, and if we haven't, we will. To be human is to walk that Emmaus road, that intersection where what is and what might have been meet. The good news of the gospel is that it is precisely at that intersection that our risen Lord meets us and joins us on our way. Bishop Will Willman tells about a parishioner with whom he was having coffee. He asked her, how have you been? Well, not so good, she said. Our son has been putting us through hell. I'm so sorry, said Williman. How old is your son? He's 18, and we have not known where he was for the last six months. Then, last week, during dinner, 
he suddenly starts pounding on our door. We open it, and he starts this string of profanity. I said, we're eating. Come in. Eat with us. But he refuses to sit down at the table. And he storms into his room, and he slams the door shut. And I can hear the door lock. And my husband, well, he gets up. He pours himself a drink. He turns on the TV. That's just how he handles it. But me, I put my napkin down. I go out to the garage. I get this big hammer out of my husband's tool chest. And then I go, and I stand right in front of my son's door. And I ask him, open the door. And this string of profanity pours out. So I take that hammer, and I lean back, and I knock the whole doorknob, the lock, everything right off that door, and I barge into the room. My son looks terrified. I catch him up right under his chin and slam him up against the headboard of his bed. And I say, I went into labor because of you, and I will not give you up. Well, I think God is like that. For everything happening at Grace, check out our website at gumc.org.